You're about to listen to a message by Pastor Ikena Okeke of the Father's Church. Please join Pastor Ikena Okeke and be blessed. Hallelujah. Open with me to John chapter 6. Today is also the communion. We're going to be going to the table of communion. Hallelujah. John chapter 6. Um, I would have read almost from verse 22, but I think we are a bit familiar with it. I'll just read from verse 65 to 69, and we'll take it from there. And he said, this is Jesus speaking, Therefore I have said to you that no one can come to me unless it has been granted to him by my Father. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. Then Jesus said to the twelve, Do you also want to go away? But Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Also, we have come to believe And know that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. May the Lord bless his word in Jesus' name. We find here the background to what happened in this story. is after Jesus had fed the multitude. And um, I think the bread must have been specially delicious. And the fish, they enjoyed the meal. So they started looking for him. Finally, they found him. And Jesus made that statement that said, you seek me. Not because you saw the signs, but because you ate the loaves. And you're wondering, what sign again? Wasn't it bread that they ate? But Jesus was implying to them that beyond the bread that I gave to you, I was communicating a message to you. And if only you were seeking me, For that message that I communicated, you will still get the bread, but you'll get much more than the bread. What was he saying? It was following that that he began to say to them, unless, in fact, first of all, he said to them, because they had said to him, Moses gave them bread. And he said to them, Moses did not give you bread. My father gave you. But now the true bread is here with you. Okay? And he now broke it down to say, I am the bread of life. And this bread, unless a man eats it, he has no life in him. Now they looked at him. This is Jesus. I mean, a few of them knew his background. And they began to wonder, is this man going to kill himself and break his body and give to us to eat? And their conclusion was what? This is a hard saying. Means this one, we cannot reconcile with it. So in conclusion, take your bread and go. And the Bible said many of his disciples, note, not many of those who ate, many of his disciples, it meant many who had come to believe in him. Remember he said to us, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. He said to the disciples, if you continue with me. Now what is going on here is this. These people had accepted Jesus. They had begun to follow him. But it got to a place where it was too difficult for them. They could not reconcile what the requirement was with what they could do. So they said, we can't do it again. 
And that's why Jesus threw the option to Peter and the twelve and said to them, you also, are you what? Going away. Now Peter's answer did not say, master, we know what you're saying. We know you won't give us your flesh in that way. We know you're going to take us to the communion and then bring bread and break it and tell us this is my body broken for you. Peter didn't say anything like that. All Peter said is this. That one we don't know. But what we know is that you are what? The Christ, the son of the living God. And that you are the one we have committed our lives to. We will what? Follow you. Like the song says, we will follow you for what? The rest of our lives. That's what Peter said. And that is what you and I must come to as we go on in our study this morning. Praise the Lord. If we come with me to Ruth, you're going to find something here. And in Ruth chapter 1 is a very popular passage. Let's take it and then we'll go on. Ruth was saying to the mother-in-law in this account. It says from 16 and 17. I read 16 and 17. It said, but Ruth said, entreat me not to leave you. Or to turn back from following after you. For wherever you go, I will go. And wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. The Lord do so to me and more also. If anything, know that. If anything but what? Let's say that together. If anything but what? Death parts you and me. Praise the Lord. Now, the interesting thing here is that nobody required this of Ruth. When marriages are done, what's the condition? Till death do us part. Now, the husband had died. She was as free as a bird. Praise the Lord. But with some deeper revelation, she was saying to us something that the born-again Christian should be saying to his Christ. Praise the Lord. She was bearing witness to us here. And you know, our Lord Jesus many times will say, the queen of Sheba will bear witness. Uh, Sodom and Gomorrah will bear witness. One of the people that will bear witness in heaven will be Ruth. Because when they stand me, stand you, and stand the rest of us, and ask us, what's our story? And then they bring her and say, what's our story? Our time, because of the time we have, may not go into detail. If you read further than when she returned to Bethlehem with Naomi, Naomi had lost faith. They called her Naomi. Say, don't call me Naomi. My name is now Bitter. Call me Mara. God has dealt, you know, wickedly with me. I don't know what happened. Whereas, remember, it was these people that of their own accord left Bethlehem to go to Moab. God didn't drive them. There was famine, but he didn't say they should go. Those who they left, they came back and met them. So, but in the midst of that situation, God found, found root what? Bearing witness. And one of the prayers we prayed yesterday was what? That you and I will be witnesses unto him. I pray we'll be that in Jesus' name. So we have that as a background. And look at this. God, in this world he created, okay, embedded some wisdom in this world. And that wisdom is the safeguard. And it's hidden, so we don't say it. But it's the safeguard that sets him apart. In the book of Job, we are told he catches the wise where in their craftiness. How many of us have looked at the world sometimes and thought the world is unfair? 
you know, I mean, the way things happen, you're wondering, God, please act fast. He has hidden some things. Now, the Bible says to us, Galatians 6, 7, it puts it clearly. It says, do not be what? Deceived. God is what? Not mocked. Now, now, let's take a step back. That word says God is not mocked. How many of us have had very aged relations? And you see children playing tricks on them. You've seen that. They play tricks on them, okay? Now, that is what the Spirit of God is saying. He saying God is not mocked. You see, God is not bearing his weight behind you, monitoring what you're doing. So you can do a lot of things and think you're mocking God. This is what he says. He concludes, he says, well, for whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. That is the wisdom God has put in his word. So even though he may not be in your face, he has set a restraint that it will be according as you have sown. Now, somebody immediately will say to me, but pastor, you know that's not true. I mean, look at what is happening in the world. We're going to get there. Praise the Lord. But this is what he has put in place. And that's why Solomon, at the end of his life, what did he say? He says, all is what? Vanity. But David, at the end of his life, this is the testimony they gave of David. He said, David served his generation, what? According to the will of God, and he slept. Are you getting it now? Solomon physically should have enjoyed life better. But Solomon says what? It's vanity. You know why? He that sows to the flesh will of the flesh what? Reap corruption. That's it. David sowed to the spirit. At the end, he had something. Is somebody getting what I'm saying? But Solomon sowed. I mean, he had a thousand ladies. Praise God. You know, he, the Bible says there was nothing he desired that was kept from him. What, what else is success in the eyes of the world? But when the end came, because he sowed nothing spiritual, he could reap nothing spiritual. And then he himself said what? All his wealth, all his glory to the eyes of men, all of that, he, his own testimony is what? He calls it vanity. That is what God put because he did not sow anything. He sowed the wind and he reaped well. That's what it is. So God in his word has put it in such a way that no matter how you want to play, no matter how you want to do, you cannot outplay God. In fact, the thing there is this. When you actually trick, you're tricking yourself. You're actually playing yourself. The picture I got with this is, imagine where someone, you're in this hall, auditorium, alone, and then they're watching you with CCTVs everywhere. And then you think you're trying to, you know, take some things and hide so that you come back. The person watching you, what will he be doing? He'll be smiling. He'll be smiling. You know what? He knows that you can't make headway. It's the same thing as we come to God. So we, we have that at the background and we take another direction. The Bible says, Jeremiah 32, 17, uh, 17 it says, Our Lord God, thou hast what? Created or made the heavens and the earth by what? Your great power and our straight hands and there is nothing too hard for you god created the world we've said this before in his power so he said let there be why because it's almighty god now when god was going to save the world we've said that here before you know god didn't save the world by his power you know what god saved the world it was his love if god wanted to use power to bring about salvation 
This is the way it would have worked. He will wipe out in power what he had created and create a new one. But because it was love, which was committing to somebody who was not worth committing. The songwriter says, he thought I was what? Worth saving. Power replaces. Is someone getting what I'm saying? Power replaces. I have a pair of slippers in the house. I've had it for about eight years. Now, I can buy another one, but I think I'm beginning to have some. The, the slippers on my feet, they have some accord. So yesterday, I had to send it to the market for them to patch it. Are you getting what I'm saying? There's become some relationship. <laughs> you know? So I have a relationship with that slippers. I sent and repaired it. I wear it every day. I wear it more than any other thing. Okay? Now, God, when man fell, remember I said to Adam, the day you eat of the fruit of the tree, what will happen? You will die. When something dies, what do you do? You discard it. You discard it. But God, in his love, went beyond power. That's why the Bible will not say God is power. But God is what? Because his love supersedes the power. Now, if you step back again, look at it. I'm going somewhere with all this that I'm saying. Now, the attributes, when God said, let us make man in our image, God did not give us power, even though he had all the power. God did not give us the capacity to stand here and exercise that level of power. Why? Because it was exclusive to him. He says, once has thou what? Spoken. And twice what? Have I heard it? That power what? Belongs to God. But the same God now speaking to you and I says it in this way. He says, what is the great and the greatest commandment? He says, what? That thou shalt what? Love the Lord thy God with all thy strength, with all thy might, with all thy soul, and with all everything you have. Now, see what is going to happen here now. That thing with which God saved the world is the demand he's placing on you. I get it, Mina. So, salvation now, the Bible also goes on to say, I'm just trying to, you know, be quick because of our time. The Bible also says, not many mighty are saved. You know your calling, therefore, brethren, what your election. It says, not many noble, not many wise after the flesh. But what? God chooses what? The base things, the weak things. Okay. Now, what is that saying? Salvation also is not by my power. So, nobody can say to God on the day he's being questioned, I could not be saved because that thing is too difficult. I don't have the power. Ah, I'm not a Jim Jim. I'm not a spirit. I'm not a shoe. I'm not. Nobody could say that. Why? Because what was required of salvation is that if you would just what? Call on the name of the Lord. What will happen? You will be saved. Praise the Lord. Isn't that very simple? Now, let's take a step back and see what is happening here. Jesus, our Lord Jesus in Mark chapter 4. Verse 26 to 29. It's one of the parables that says the kingdom of God is. Okay? When you read your Bible, please, anywhere you see the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God is, give attention to it. It has some very simple truth that will help you. Now, in this particular uh, illustration our Lord Jesus Christ gave, it says the kingdom of God is as if a man should what? Scatter seed on the ground. Okay? And should sleep by night and rise by day. And the seed word should sprout and grow. He himself does not know how. Go back to 26 please. He says the earth, this kingdom, when you scatter the seed, what does the man now do? The man goes and sleeps by night 
and rises by day. Isn't that what he says? And then he discovers that what happens? He said the seed is growing, is growing. And then 28 says the earth does it all without his what? With help, without his help. If this is the way the kingdom is, is it difficult? Praise the Lord. It says the earth does it all without his help. So in essence, the kingdom is easy. <laughs> A man does what? Scatters seed on the ground and goes to sleep. He does not do watch night. And then he wakes. After some time, what will happen? Seed will grow. What is the trick in that? Very simple. Anybody? The trick in that is simple. He says this man scatters the seed on the ground. You know what is seed? All of a sudden, I started liking corn and pear. Every corn you eat is no longer seed. You have aborted the seedfulness in it. Do you understand? Anything that can be seed can be eaten, can be consumed. Praise the Lord. But when that thing is no longer consumed but released, it becomes seed. Many of us did the experiment of the bean seed when we were in primary school, right? Now, that bean seed, if you keep it on the shelf in your house, it will remain there. But until it is what? Sown. When it is sown, what happens is that you release it from your power and commit it to the earth. When it's committed to the earth, you have done something. You have committed. You have surrendered. You have handed over. You have said this passage where it says the earth does it what without his help. Now your life, my life, my testimony as a Christian, my witness as a Christian, heaven is saying, which we always say, I have given my life to Jesus. Isn't that what we say? Now in that process, if you don't keep taking your life back, you will be a wonder. But many of us give our lives to Jesus. This is Sunday morning. By the grace of God, it will be a wonderful service. You will give your life to Jesus. But by 2 o'clock, where is the life? You have taken it back. Because this one I cannot bear. This thing you are saying, I cannot handle it. It's too much. Praise the Lord. Ah, under this corona, you are asking me to do this. I will not. Are you getting what I am saying? One has to apply wisdom. Don't you understand? You see, I mean, we have to, you know, be sensible. Isn't that what we're saying? But commitment, commitment. Ruth said, your people shall be what? Didn't she have her people before? He said, your God shall be what? Didn't she have her God before? She said, where you die, it should be where you die, I jump and pass. But she said what? Where you die, that's what? Where I will what? Die. Incidentally, you see how the story went. Her name continued even beyond that of Naomi. Why? Because this woman released herself to God. And like in the parable, the earth began to do the rest. What I've come to share with you today is that commitment is what you're missing. And this commitment, like we said it, is a principle God has put in his word. It's so tricky. It's simple and tricky. Let me come at it from an, another angle. Let me come at it from an angle you will probably have never looked at. 
Why does Christianity teach that if somebody slaps you on the right, you turn to the left? Have you ever wondered the wisdom of that statement? Is it because we are weak? Is it because, I mean, we can learn Taekwondo and fight back? Why did Jesus say that? You know why he said that? If I slap you, or if someone slaps you, I won't slap you. If someone slaps me on the right, and I don't slap him back, what has happened? There is no fight. If someone slaps me, I slap him back. What is happening? We are fighting. The status before is that someone assaulted me. And every right-thinking person there, for the rest of my life, will score that man what? Violent. And call me what? Gentleman. But if he slaps me and I slap back, what would have happened is what? What I was giving, I have given back. The equation balances. I have returned the commitment to what was committed to me. What I'm trying to say is this. I started from the negative now. If a positive thing is committed to you, If you don't commit back, you cannot benefit. You will not benefit. Solomon had a greater privilege. I don't know. You see, the Bible says Solomon, God appeared to him two times. David, God was speaking to David through prophets. Yet, David accomplished more spiritually than Solomon. Why? Because while God was busy committing to Solomon out of the, you know, Great love he had for his father. Solomon was busy discovering, you know, Japanese women. You know, he said, I think he's a Quente women now. And they were importing him. So the Bible says, while God loved Solomon, what did Solomon do? Solomon loved what? Many foreign women. So he could not benefit. It's the same thing in our lives. It's the same thing in our Christian work. Some people come into this journey and they're looking at it with telescope and microscope and they're adjusting, checking. How far am I going to go? Child of God, faith, this is the way it was said to me. It says faith in God is simply commitment to God being expressed. Faith in God. When somebody says, I have faith in God, you're not smart. You're not intelligent. You don't need to be technical. It's just that you're committed to God. And just like the seed, when the seed is put in the ground, what does the seed do? Can the seed say to water, rain, don't beat me? Can the seed say to the sun, no, you're, you're shining too much? Can the seed say to you know, the nutrient or whatever it is that acts on it? Can he say to it, I don't want? Once it's committed to the ground, it is exposed entirely. Whatever the ground puts on it, what does it do? It receives. And the beauty of it is that the ground is not kind to it. I wish I did better in biology or integrated science. I would have started telling you about, is it the Eurocleidon or whatever? You did also do the way you're looking at me. If you knew, you would have. (laughs) The earth will start dealing with that seed. and breaking everything around it. Now, if you were to access what was going on under the ground, you will rescue the seed. Because it will not be as fine as it was when you had it in your hands. But if you allow the process continue, that's why the Bible says, let patience have its what? Perfect work. That you may be what? Complete. If you allow the process continue, when it's done breaking down that seed, what you begin to see is a new life. And so our Lord Jesus Christ says, unless a grain of wheat, what? 
falls into the ground and dies, it what? It abides alone. But if it does, if it does fall, what will happen? It will produce much fruit. Commitment is the secret that the enemy has hidden from many believers in our time. And the way he does this is this. It's very simple. Because you see, it's a word or a principle that unless you come from the divine side, you will never understand it. And that is why God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Jesus did not come on a state visit to the earth. You know, he didn't do that. You know, if it's today, you know, a savior was going to come, he'll come and address parliament and say, this is what they're going to do, and then go back. Jesus didn't do that. When he came, the Bible said, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God did not consider robbery. Long and short was that when he came, he found himself as a man. He humbled himself. And then what? To the point of what? Death. And then they said, yes, death of the cross. Why? Because Jesus had to have his body. Which is why we'll go to the table today. He had to have his body torn apart, broken, so that you and I can take what he has and there'll be no going back. You can appreciate the Lord. You can ap- he, he had to. If Jesus just came, you see, he is God. All power belongs to him. He could calm the storm and the waves and all. He could have spoken those words and gone. If he did not die, we would not be saved. But for you and I to be saved, he needed him to surrender and lay his life down and be buried. Then you and I become the fruit of his resurrection. Are you getting what I'm saying? It is commitment. Now he has set the principle in motion. Simply what I'm saying, stars and mass, is that to benefit. It's okay to be, last Sunday was powerful. How many of us were in church on Sunday? It was powerful. It's okay to do the singing. It's okay to do the jumping and the dance. But the Apostle Paul tells us, Philippians 3.10, the Apostle Paul begins to say to us, he says, I want to know him. I want to know Jesus. And what did he say? I want to know what? The power of his word. Who doesn't want to know that? I want to know that. But look at the other thing he says. What? And what? The fellowship of what? The fellowship of his suffering. What else did he say? And being what? Confirm what? Now look at the next verse. 11. The next verse says what? Where is he actually going in all of this? This is where he's going. This is where he's going. If by any means I may what? Attain to the resurrection from... This is where he's going. But he knows that to get to where he's going, he needs to go through commitment. Go back to verse 10. The attitude many of us have as Christians is that we want to know his power. Oh Lord, anoint me. Oh Lord, give me power. Fellowship of his suffering. Not my portion. Not my portion. Not my portion. Being conformed to his death. No, I'm seated in heavenly places in Christ. Far above death. I cannot die again. Every other thing. You will not accept even an insult. How can you be committed to a thing and not take the good and the bad? In another place, our Lord Jesus told us, he said the kingdom of heaven is like a man who sees a field. And because of the treasure in the field, what does he do? He sells all that he has. That's one angle. But he buys the whole field. In that field, there's trash. In that field, it's Bahama grass that we used to cut in Federal. There's Bahama grass. There are things you don't want. But what does he do? He buys the field because his eye is on the treasure. What am I saying? As a Christian, are you committed enough 
to go through the process so that you can attain to the resurrection. Because if you don't, if you don't, it won't be commitment. It will be interest. I was reading somewhere, someone said that what we have in the world today is an admiration of Jesus. It's an acceptance. You know, in fact, they say the basic attitude people have towards Jesus, you know, the more, you know, bulk of the people is I have nothing against him. You know, they're not, he's a good man. So that's why in a lot of places, they say, ah, even unbelievers will tell you, you're not treating me like you're Jesus. So they admire his qualities. Okay. But they're not committed to him, which makes the whole difference. Let me break it down. Our time is going. Let me break it down a bit also to what commitment means. Very simple. How many of us have been given um, a passcode, a password, you know, or some numbers? You remember before the uh, mobile phone came out, phone numbers were six digits, right? Including um, area code and all of that. And then the numbers started going up. Imagine where somebody gives you a number, you know, for something that is beneficial to you. And the number is long. And you take, okay, 0054267789. you know. And um, while the person is giving you the number, you say, I've had enough. You don't tell him, oh, you just copy and stop. Eh? Praise the Lord. Then you go to your computer and you start entering. And you say, I got most of it. You understand what I'm You should understand. I got most of it. He read out 14 numbers. I got 11. I'm just missing three. Now, if your phone is a smartphone or anything, if you're entering some numbers, you know it begins to suggest the names. So every name that has numbers corresponding to the early digits you put in, they will start coming up. Immediately what is happening is that your phone is telling you so far so good. Are you following me? Follow me carefully. So far so good. You're entering, entering. But when it gets to that last one that is missing, you find out that you cannot get what you're looking for. You know why? Because even though you were accurate, you were not committed. You were correct in the first seven. You may have been correct in the first 19. But until the last digit is accurate, there is no connection. Is somebody getting what I'm saying? And that is why, you see, the Lord just broke it down for me simply. He said, that is why on that day, he said, I will say to many, or rather many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did I not cast out devils in your name? He said, yes. It's part of what I said you would do. Did I not heal the sick in your name? Oh, yes. It's part of what you do. Did I not do this in your name? Yes. Then, but he's going to say to them finally, what? Depart from me, what? I never knew you. You did all these things, but you were not totally committed. The digits are not complete. Is somebody getting what I'm saying? This is what Christianity is about. And that commitment thing is very simple. Like I was going to say, the closest to it to our world, the way we reason as human beings, is death. You know, there are some things the Bible requires of us that you don't fully understand until the Lord opens your eyes. Baptism. Those who believe and are baptized shall be saved. Have you ever thought about that? How many of us have done water baptism? You know. By immersion. Very important if you've not done it and you're born again. But you see, it's not the symbolism because the, the challenge now is that some people come and say, I was baptized when I was uh, six months. I was baptized when I was one year. And then people start arguing with them. Anybody that wants to argue about baptism, don't argue. Because if you know what it's about, you will never argue about it. Praise the Lord. You should actually request, you know, rebaptism. But he said to me, what is, why did I request baptism? Baptism is what? To signify what? Your identification with my death. 
Commitment to the man, to understand commitment for the man, is that I have died. The Bible says, Paul speaking says, I have been what? Crucified with what? Christ. Stop there. If I've been crucified, can I defend myself? Can I lose my temper? Can I pursue my glory? Can I be offended? Can you see that everything Jesus said becomes easy? If you go and slap a corpse, will he jump and slap you back? Except in Nollywood. He won't jump back. You know what? He's dead. If that corpse were alive, you will see something. Now, I have been crucified with Christ. Commitment, like the pig said, I'm committed to your breakfast. When you eat breakfast and you're eating, you know, pork, it says, I'm committed to it. It's my flesh you're eating. The same way God is saying, he that comes to me must what? Lay his life down. When that life is laid down, you are committed. I have been crucified with Christ. Then he goes on and says what? It is no longer I live, but Christ who what? Lives in me. Nevertheless, I live. So, I'm living now, but I'm committed. Are you following me? So, I'm living, but I'm committed. What is going to begin to happen now? A bit of confusion, right? See what is going to be happening. Because I've been crucified, I am no longer alive. But I'm living. Automatically, the life I will be living now will no longer what? Be my life. The life I'll be living what? Will be life lived for what? The one who gave himself for me. It's not very difficult. You see some people, you have a friend, you know, just like some people are committed to this um, government. You understand? They've died now. They don't have a sense of their own again. That is what commitment means. When I'm committed, I don't think for myself. You see, if you get this right by the help of God, you will understand the scriptures. So when God says, when the Bible says it came to pass after all this thing, that God tested Abraham. And said to Abraham, Abraham, take now your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to a mountain that I'll show you and sacrifice him for me. He was testing his commitment. Because the person who is committed is gone. He's gone. He's gone. But you know what? If you are committed to this God, it's no big deal. You know why? He first committed to you. Like we say here, imagine somebody here. God is going to bless you. Praise the Lord. I'm going to have a lot of money. Let's take it that you go with, you know, I know in Nigeria because of stolen money, million doesn't mean much, but let's remain a million for now. Okay, we've not started stealing. But you go with 10 million to your bank. And maybe you go to um, one of the banks. But you've never released 10 million before from your hand to somebody. So you stand before the cashier and say to the cashier, I have 10 million to deposit. And the cashier says, yes, I'm ready. He gives you uh, photocopy paper. You know that they are paper, that very light paper. And say fill in and then fill it, you fill it. Then you come back. He takes the money and gives you one copy out of the three and says go with the copy. I keep your 10 million. What do you think? You release 10 million cash and they give you a copy, a duplicate of a faded paper and say go. And you go. And when you go, you're relaxed. I have 10 million in the bank. You know what has happened? You have expressed faith in the bank. Because you see the bank worth more than all of that. So you can release your 10 million and go with something that will not fetch one cover. And you're happy. Your heart is not beating. When you see God, 
No matter what he asks you to do, you will release it to him. And turn back with joy. That's why Abraham said to the servant, he said, let us go and worship. Because he was committed to God. When you see believers crying over little demands, little requirements, because they've not seen the grandeur of God. They've not considered the majesty of God. They don't know, last time we were talking about the wealth. If you know how rich God is, your money will mean nothing. They've not seen the largeness of God. When you see it, you will so drop yourself into it and be saying, don't worry, don't bother. David saw a bit of it. David saw a bit of it. And that is what makes Christianity sweet. You know, thank you, Holy Spirit. The Bible is so clear, so complete, so intact. The word of God says, it says that you may be filled with all peace and joy in believing. Now, do you know as a Christian, the Bible says the kingdom of God is what righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Do you know that if you're born again, it should be illegal for you not to have peace, joy, and righteousness. But let's leave the righteousness part before some people leave me. Peace and joy. Eh? That you may be filled with what? All peace and joy. What? In believing. To the extent that you are operating right as a believer. Peace should calm your heart. Joy should fill your heart. Praise the Lord. You know why? Because if God has committed to you. And to any extent you commit yourself back to him, you know what is going to be happening? You begin to experience a flow. That's why the Bible says, with joy you're going to do what? Draw water out of the wells of salvation. God is a beautiful God. God is a wonderful God. But if you will not commit to him, just like the parable of the talent, the man that had won, what was his testimony of his God? He said, I know you to be what? An austere man. Ripping away. Can you see what he was saying? But the others that were giving five, what were they thinking? They think this is how God wants us to prosper. It's what they saw is what they believed. And it made itself manifest in their experience. May you experience peace and joy. In the name of Jesus. So this morning as we go quickly to the table of communion, I want you to begin to ask yourself, am I committed? Because when he said to him, this is my body broken for you. Jesus said to us, remember, he said to us, he said, do not cast your pearls before swine. You know that. What it means is this. Don't exchange value for nonsense. When Jesus was doing the communion, establishing the communion, he didn't do it with everybody. He did it with the 12. Now, the sense was that these people, I'm showing you what it takes, me, God, to be your savior. As long as you do this word, do this in remembrance of me. Do this in honor of me. And then have the value. That's why Paul later now was saying to us, do not take it unworthily. That's why in the traditional churches at this time, people are told to reconcile and all of that, examine themselves. But it should, it's very good, but it should be an ongoing thing. However, to the extent that you are committed to him, that is what's going to determine the potency of what we'll take this morning. To the extent, people of God, you see, the mercy and the greatness of God has a way of, of reaching everyone in such a way that when the end comes, nobody will say to God, you were unfaithful to me. 
You know the Bible, it says, if we deny him, you'll deny. That's deny means you turn back, you have no. But it says, if we are faithless, he abides what? Faithful. He abides faithful. He cannot change who he is. He abides faithful. So God in his faithfulness sees to it that every one of us will get what we should get according to our response. This day as we are coming here, I'm reminded, I've told you this story before, and I, I may just say it again quickly. About the, a young girl and a young boy, two neighbors, and they came out to play. And the young boy had pebbles, you know, smooth pebbles, nice, beautiful, you know, stones he picked from, you know, the seaside. Had five of them. The young girl had sweets, you know, candies, and had five of them as well. And the girl, you know, so desired the pebbles. And the boy said, okay, if you want my pebbles, give me your sweets, give me your candies. And the girl said, that's fine. And the girl took her five candies and gave to the boy. And the boy kept one pebble in his pocket, one of the stones for, you know, in his pocket, and gave the girl four. The girl went home dancing and rejoicing that she had gotten one, four nice, smooth stones. And she went home and slept. The boy went home with his five candies, but could not sleep. He kept turning on his bed. He kept wondering, how many did she have? It's possible she had ten. She gave me only five. What if she had seven and she gave me only five? This thing is not enough. He could not enjoy one of it. Why? Because his commitment did not match the commitment of the one who gave him. Your prayer today is, Lord, lift me up. Let my heart come up so I can receive all that you have given to me. Jesus did not withhold anything. He gave and he gave his all. Why will I withhold? Why will I cut short of my commitment to him? He says he came from heaven to the earth. This is what the early missionaries understood. And they left the developed world and came to malaria infested tropical region to pray the gospel. Because they consider what Jesus did for them. And they saw that there is nothing we do. I, I, I don't know what God has been saying to you. I don't know what you may have been struggling with. But this morning, I, I just want you to ask yourself, am I committed? Are we together? Are we, are we, are we, are we walking in this? Am, am I in relationship with him? He has counted me worthy. There's no doubt about that. He has so loved you and loved me. He has counted me worthy. But have I counted him worthy? I want you from your heart to lift up your heart. That is faith. To raise it to him. And as you do that and we come to the table. Then you can be confident that with him nothing shall be impossible. Father we want to thank I want you to thank him. Thank him. Lord you went all the way to Calvary. You went for me. You went for me. And so for me I want to go for you. I want to stand for you. I want to be for you. I want to respond rightly to your love. I want you to ask the Lord to help you. I want you to ask the Lord to help you. I want you to ask the Lord that please, Spirit of God, help me. Bring me to the place where I stand in a correct posture. Right, just nice and simply right standing. It's simply saying, God, this is who you are. And I surrender and I align with you. So like Paul, I want to know you. I want to come into the fellowship of your suffering. I want to be conformed, yes, even to the death. Why? That I may attain the resurrection. Lord, I am desperate for you. Father, we thank you. Lord, we thank you. Dependable, reliable, faithful. It's who you are to us. 
So we come today, Lord, to mark once again the expression and demonstration of your love and faithfulness towards us. Father, we thank you. Lord, we thank you. You've been listening to a message by Pastor Ikena Okeke of the Father's Church. We are sure you've been blessed. We invite you to worship with us at Eden Center, Barnex Guarimpa Expressway, near Next Kashinkari, Abuja. For telephone 09-290-9000 or 0703-1588404. You can find us online at www.thefatherschurchonline.org. God bless you.